You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. How many of you, just by show of hands, have ever asked a question that you really wanted to know the answer to and just followed it up with asking for a friend? Right? We do that a lot of times because we may really want to know the answer, but we don't want people to think that we're really asking the question. So it's, it's a lot easier to say asking for a friend. That's just a fad right now. It's all over social media. And I want to read you just a few that I found that I thought were pretty funny. Um, it says, what does it mean if the holy water sizzles when it hits your skin? Asking for a friend. Uh, what's the medical condition for needing to eat 30,000 calories right before bed every night? Asking for a friend. And this, is, this one's pretty funny to me. Does anyone know which page of the Bible explains how to turn water into wine? Asking for a friend. So a lot of these are silly a lot of times, but sometimes there's serious questions that we really want to know the answer to, but we're afraid to ask the question for ourselves. So it's just a lot easier to say, hey, I'm asking for a friend. So in this series, we're going to look at three really important questions that are asked a lot. Now, there's a ton of questions. So I want to encourage you, and I want you to know that once this series is over, we're going to give you the opportunity to submit questions, and throughout the rest of the year, we'll comb through those questions, and once a month on Facebook, we'll put out a video answering those questions. So this series will actually continue through the end of the year uh, on Facebook. So if you have a question that we don't cover in this series, we want you to ask it, and we want to be able to answer that question for you. Um, as a pastor, I get asked a lot of questions. So uh, did God really create everything in six days? Why am I 5'8 and my brother is 5'11? Uh, is it okay to pierce my ears? Is it okay to get a tattoo? Is it, what does God say about money? The questions just continue to, to come. And we're going to look at three questions through this series. And one is, why is there so much suffering in the world? The second one is, can I really trust Scripture? And then the third one is, what does God say about the sanctity of life? And we're going to hit those three questions because those three questions are asked a lot of the church. And as a pastor, I get those questions a lot. And again, I know there are many more questions and uh, we'll cover those as you submit them throughout the year. But this morning, I want us to look at the first question, and that is, why is there so much suffering and evil in the world? And that's a that's an important question for us to answer. One thing I want to do is I want to give you an, an inadequate answer that gets floated around. And then I want us to truly dig into the Word of God and see some aspects of, of suffering and evil that we can we can really pull from Scripture and we can hold on to and, and somewhat understand the idea of suffering and evil. But there was a Barner group did a survey and there was one question on the survey and that question was, if you could ask God one question, what would it be? And the overwhelming response was about suffering and evil. That There was various answers, but that was the overwhelming response. People wanted to know why bad things happen all the time. And ironically, 
among those who were married said they would ask God about suffering at a higher rate than any other participants. I'll let you draw your own conclusions about that. But we don't have to look very far to realize that there really is pain and suffering and evil all around us. We really don't have to look very far. It's everywhere. Everywhere we turn, we see suffering. We see pain. We see heartache. We see evil in the world. And a lot of times we get asked the questions as Christians, if God is such a loving God, then why does He allow pain and suffering and evil in the world? And that's the question that I want us to answer today. But throughout history, we've seen, we've seen wars and famine and natural disasters. We've seen division, cancer. We've seen accidents. We've seen crime. We've seen death. It's all around us. And maybe this morning you yourself have dealt with some type of suffering or pain or heartache or evil. And you've had that question pop up in your mind. And I want you to know this morning that it's okay to ask that question. It's a, it's a difficult issue that we must deal with as Christians. We must search Scripture and, and find the answer to these questions. So maybe it would help if life came with some sort of, of warning or some list of side effects. You know, like those commercials about medicine that says, hey, here's, here's what this medicine can do for you. Here's the list of side effects. And it just rattles off a list of side effects. And, you know, maybe if every newborn baby came with a tag uh, that read something like this, this baby has the potential to come with fun, joy, excitement, adventure, and love. Side effects could include illness, abuse, broken relationships, betrayal, sorrow, loss, injuries, disappointment, heartache, crime, and death. Because side effects happen. And in reality, in actuality, life does come with a warning for us. In John 16, 33, we see that in life there will be many troubles. We're told that in Scripture. But that brings us back to our original question. So we understand that there's going to be struggles. We understand that there's going to be suffering. We understand that evil's in the world. The question is, why? Why is there evil in the world? What's the purpose of evil in the world? If He really is a loving God, why does He not stop all the bad stuff from happening? And before we jump into answering the question, like I said, I want to point out one philosophy that's floated around sometimes. And to me, this is something that we must touch and then eliminate from the realm of possibility. So some people look at suffering and the tragedies of life and conclude that they have no purpose at all. Some people look at the tragedies and sufferings of life and just say, hey, stuff happens. Bad stuff happens. It's all chance or luck or fate. And I cannot imagine a more hopeless philosophy of life. There's got to be a purpose. There's got to be an explanation. We have to be able to find something as Christ followers, about these tough questions. So we have to eliminate the mindset that, hey, stuff just happens. There's no explanation. There's no point. We're just going to live life. And if, if my luck is this, my luck is this. And that's something this morning that has floated around a lot. And people believe that. And I'm just, I want to encourage you this morning 
to get that out of your mind if you've ever had that thought. And we're going to see the truth from Scripture about this question. I want to give you four reminders about suffering this morning. And as we look through these, let's just keep in mind that the answer to this question is, is what we can grasp from Scripture. Which means, as 1 Corinthians 13, 12 tells us, that on this side of heaven we see things dimly because of our finite perspective. So let's keep that in mind as we go through this, that maybe the big overarching answer that you're looking for, we may not be able to get to the details of that, but we can pull some truths about suffering from Scripture. And that's what I want us to do this morning. So number one is this. The first thing I want us to see today is that God did not create suffering. God did not create suffering. And I know that that is kind of mind-blowing to some people because we think, well, God created everything. But I want you to see that in Genesis 1.31, it says, And God saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was what? Very good. So God created everything perfectly. People ask a follow-up question, hey, if, why didn't God just make everything without suffering and without evil? And the question is, He did. God didn't create the universe with suffering and evil. He created perfect beings. And we looked in the first week of our filter series at the first temptation and first sin recorded in Scripture. And it's because of that sin that we find ourselves in the world that we live in today. Because when God created mankind, He gave them a thing called free will. And free will is it's beautiful and it's damaging at the same time. If you pulled the string of a, of a baby doll and it said, I love you, does that mean that the baby doll really loved you? No, it's programmed to say that. So God could have made us that way to program us to love Him, but that's not genuine real love. So He made humans with free will so they could make the choice to love Him. So they could make the choice to love other people. So that love could be real, genuine, and good. But with our free will, we chose to rebel. We chose sin. And when sin entered the world, so did its companion, which is suffering and evil. So, there's two kinds of evil in the world. There's moral evil and there's natural evil. And moral evil is just what it sounds like. It's the immorality and pain and suffering that comes because we choose to be selfish. Because we choose to be arrogant and uncaring. It has been estimated that 95% of the world's sufferings results from the sin of ourselves or others. So for example, people, people who look at famine and say, hey, where's God? The truth is that the world produces enough food that each person in this world could have over 2,000 calories a day. So it's not that God doesn't produce enough, it's how the food is handled and distributed. So everybody just look at your, look at your hand for a second. So with that hand, you have a choice. You could choose to shoot someone with that hand, or you could choose to feed someone that is hungry with that hand. 
And it's unfair to choose to shoot someone and then blame God for evil and suffering in the world. It's our free will and the choices that we make that create the suffering. The second kind of evil is natural evil. So we have moral evil, natural evil. And this is seen in the form of earthquakes and tornadoes and hurricanes. And these things are also the result of sin entering the world. So Lee Strobel wrote this, When we humans told God to shove off, He partially honored our request. Nature began to revolt. The earth was cursed. Genetic breakdown and disease began. Pain and death became part of the human experience. Genesis 3.18 says that because of sin, nature was corrupted and thorns and thistles entered the world. Romans 8.22 says, For we know that whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. So nature longs for redemption. And we, we don't think of it that way a lot of times. But nature longs for redemption. God created nature perfectly. And when sin entered the world, it corrupted nature. So not only do humans long for that redemption, but nature also longs for that. This is the source of disorder and chaos. So let me be clear about this first point. God did not create suffering and evil. It is true that He did create the potential for evil to enter the world through people. And, pe- and you may ask, well, could, could He have not seen that they were going to rebel? And the answer is He absolutely could see and knew. But as parents, I want us to think about something. Before we ever had kids, we knew there was a chance that they could face disappointment. We knew there was a chance that they could face heartache. We knew there was a chance that they could face sickness. We knew there was a chance that they could face crime and evil and suffering. We knew there was a chance that they may even rebel against us and walk away from us as parents. But we chose to have them anyway because we also know the potential of real joy and happiness and love that that relationship provides. And it's the same thing with God. Yes, He knew that some would rebel against Him, but He also knew that many would choose to follow Him and love Him. And that's important for us to remember. It's important for us to understand that God did not create suffering. That it was because of our free will that He gave us that brought evil and suffering into the world. And many Christ followers have used this philosophy to answer the question of suffering. And obviously, it's an important part of the answer. But as we saw an inadequate answer, I think that this is just a partially adequate answer because it doesn't go deeper. And I think suffering goes a lot deeper than this. So I think it's important that we understand this, that it's because of our free will, it's because of our choices that suffering and pain entered the world. But I think we must dig deeper. So number two is this. God can use suffering for good. And there are several ways, but I want to just point out four of this, uh, four of those this morning. First, God can use suffering to draw people toward Christ. Philosopher Peter Kreef put it this way. The meaning and purpose of suffering in history is that it leads to repentance. Only after suffering, only after disaster does Israel, do nations, do individuals turn back to God. 
Suffering brings repentance. We learn the hard way. As C.S. Lewis says, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. And it is, it is his megaphone to rouse a dead world. And you know oftentimes that's true. When everything is going good and we're trouble-free and we're happy, then a lot of times we forget about God. It's when we are going through the, the suffering and the pain and the heartaches that we turn and we run to God because we realize He's the only one that can get us through. So God can use suffering to draw people toward Christ. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. So without regret. Why shouldn't we regret? We shouldn't regret the sufferings because it leads us to an eternal, intimate relationship with Jesus. Suffering a lot of times draws people toward Christ. He can use suffering for good. But not only to draw people toward Christ, but also to sharpen our character. He can use suffering to, to make us more like Christ. We read these verses last week where Romans 5, 3, and 4 says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Like the old saying goes, no pain, no gain. I remember my freshman year of college, and I was up in North Georgia, and it's, it's pretty hilly up there. Uh, it's not as flat as it is here, and that's important in this story to know. So I was a freshman in college. I was really, I was trying to to earn a starting position on on the baseball team, and man, I I had a really hard fight because there was sophomores and juniors and seniors that were ahead of me, and I wanted to come in and and really show that I was good enough. Now. Looking back, I really wasn't good enough. But I was trying my best to show that I was. And we had this really long hill that we had to run up. Uh, and it, it ended at the president of the college's house. So we would run two miles up the hill, circle his driveway, and run back down the hill. But not only that, we had to run our sprints up that same hill. And this was all on asphalt, and it was hard, and I pushed myself and pushed myself, and I, I was in pain, and I suffered, and there were days that I would just throw up after practice because I was just pushing myself so hard. And in a sense, it worked out. I did start some games that year until they realized that I really wasn't good enough to start, and then I didn't start anymore. But the point is that there was pain that I went through, but... It taught me way more than just baseball. So it was a time of maturing and a time of growth and a time of learning for me as a, as an individual, as a young man, as an 18 year old kid who was just leaving home for the first time. And in life, God can use the same type of, of suffering and pain when we go through situations and circumstances to help us mature and grow and learn and become more like Him. Hebrews 5.8 puts it like this, Although He was a son, He learned obedience through what He suffered. So if Jesus learned through suffering, why would that not be true for us today? We can learn through our suffering. 
So not only can He use suffering for good by drawing us to Christ, by sharpening our character, but also by disciplining us for our own good. Hebrews 12, we see, for they disciplined us for a short time, talking about our earthly fathers, as it seemed best to them. But He, God, disciplines us for our good, that we may share His holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I want you to understand this morning that discipline is not punishment. Discipline is not punishment. Punishment is reprimand for something that you've done in the past. Discipline, so that's punishment. Discipline is loving correction to help you in the future. And when we're going through discipline, we don't love it. I don't know if you remember being disciplined by your parents. I remember being disciplined by my parents, and it wasn't pleasant. They played mind games with me. They would drill holes in the in the paddle, so I they made me think it would like go faster and harder and hit me harder. And it worked. The more holes that were in the paddle, the harder I thought it was gonna hit. So this is this is how discipline works, though. We don't like it. But once we get to the other side, we can look back and realize that it was loving correction to help our future, to get us on the right path, to keep us from falling into more suffering and more pain. God disciplines us for our own good. God can take, God can take any suffering and use it for good. And this is the fourth point of this. He can turn any negative into a positive. And we, we can look at Romans 8.28 and see that God works all things together for the good of those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. So I want you to understand that there is a, a clause in here that's very important. It says that God works all things together for the good of those that love Him. For the good of those that are called according to His purpose. So for those that have committed their lives to Christ. For those that are living in His will, for those that have a relationship with Him, He can turn any negative into a positive. And I'm reminded of the Old Testament story of Joseph and how he was sold into slavery by his brothers, how he was falsely accused, how he was falsely imprisoned. And then about a dozen years later, he was raised to a place of authority where he had the ability to save his brothers' lives and the lives of other people. And this is what he told his brother, his brothers in Genesis 50-20. He says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. But if you doubt God's promise, listen to this. God took the very worst thing that has ever happened in the history of the universe, the death of Jesus on the cross, and turned it into the very best thing that has happened in the history of the universe. The opening up of heaven to all who follow Him. So if God can take the worst circumstance imaginable and turn it into the very best situation possible, can He not take the negative circumstances of your life and create something good from them? He can and He will. He can use our suffering to draw us 
unto Himself to sharpen our character, to provide discipline for our good, and He could turn any negative into a positive. And this morning, we're going we're gonna to run through these last two reminders of suffering and evil pretty quickly, but I just want to recap. First point this morning was that God did not create suffering. Number two is that God can use suffering for good. And this is number three. Suffering will cease and evil will be judged. Suffering will cease and evil will be judged. So if God has the power to eradicate evil, to eradicate suffering, to eradicate pain, why doesn't He do it? And my answer for you this morning is that just because He hasn't yet doesn't mean that He's not going to. Because Scripture teaches us that one day there will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more evil. So what's holding, what's holding Him up? And one of those answers this morning is that it could be one of you. And let me explain that. 2 Peter 3.9 says this, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but He is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God is a loving God, a God that cares about us, a God that is patient with us, that says, I want no man to perish. I want every man to reach the point of repentance to begin a relationship with me. That's loving. That's a loving God that cares about His creation. He cares about our eternal destination. Number four is this. Our suffering pales in comparison to what God has in store for us as believers. And I I really want you to understand this this morning. Our suffering pales in comparison to what God has in store for us as believers. And by no means do I wish to minimize the the pain and the suffering and the evil that some of you may have faced or that you're dealing with right now or that you see all around you. But I think it helps us to have a long-term perspective of suffering. Let's look at what the Apostle Paul said about suffering. Remember, these words are from a man who had gone through beatings, stonings, imprisonments, hunger, thirst homelessness, and far more pain than many of us will ever have to go through. And these are his words in 2 Corinthians 4.17. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. He says light and momentary. And this guy had his back shredded about seven times from being whipped he was beaten to a, a, bloody, a bloody pulp at least three times that we see in Scripture. He was imprisoned over and over. And he says, for these afflictions are light and momentary compared to what God has in store for us. And he echoed this in Romans 8:18. 8, it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So we may endure suffering. We may endure pain. We may endure heartache. 
we may endure evil. But let me give you an example of how this long-term perspective works. So let's say the, the first day of 2020. Let's, let's use 2021. The first day of 2021, you have a horrible day. Everything imaginable can go wrong. You wake up late for work. You get a speeding ticket on the way to work. Your car breaks down. You get in a fight with your spouse if you have one. That's normal. Just anything that you can imagine. And then the other 364 days of that year are the best days of your life. You get a promotion at work. You get your dream home. You pay off all your debt. All the good things that can, that can happen in your life. Your kids receive salvation. God's working in your life. There's just a ton of different things that happen through those other 364 days. And then on the last day of the year, someone asks you, so how has your year been? And you say, man, it was amazing. It was fantastic. And they say, well, didn't it start off pretty rough? And you say, well, yeah, looking back on it, the very first day was pretty rough. All this happened. But the other 364 days far outweigh that one. And imagine being in the splendor of heaven, in the presence of God, after 85,485,300 years. And someone says, hey, how has your time, how's your time been? And you say, it's been amazing. And they say, well, didn't it start off pretty rough before you got here? And you think back and say, yeah, well, before I got to heaven, it, it was pretty rough but it pales in comparison to all these years that I've had with King Jesus, with God in the splendor of heaven and all the many, 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 many years to follow. And again, I don't want to minimize our pain and our suffering. It's real and it's something that we feel. But the truth is it pales in comparison to what the future holds for believers. And that's exciting to me. That's something that I hold on to all the time in my life personally. That yeah, I may go through stuff that I don't want to go through. It's, it's the truth. I'm going to go through stuff I don't want to go through. You're going to go through stuff that you don't want to go through. You're going to suffer. You're going to have heartache. You're going to feel pain. There's going to be evil. And maybe it, it, it touches you a little more than it touches me. But the truth is that God didn't create suffering and evil. It's because of our free will and the choices that mankind made that allowed sin and evil and suffering to enter the world. The truth is God can use suffering for good. He draws people to Christ. He sharpens our character. He disciplines for our good. And He could turn negatives into positives. There will come a day where evil and suffering cease. Evil will be judged. And when that day comes, the sufferings of this time will pale in comparison to our future.
to what God has in store. And it's important for us to know that this morning. I, I love the words of 1 Corinthians 2.9. It says, But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. And we can't even imagine the amazingness and the awesomeness of heaven, of eternity with a perfect, loving God who created us with the choice to choose Him and to choose love. And that's, that's where I want to finish this morning is that with all this about suffering and pain, we have what I think are two choices to make. So we can turn bitter or we can turn to God. We can turn bitter or we can turn to God. And that's... That's up to us. That's a choice that we have to make. So John 16.33 says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. So God has promised and given us two things we need for suffering. One in the present time, peace. And one for the future, courage. And if you're honest this morning, and if I'm honest this morning, we've all dealt with, with suffering. We've all dealt with pain. We've all had trials. But it's how we respond and what we choose that's really important in life. Now we can run away from God or we can run toward Him. Because although God can use suffering for good, He can draw people toward Christ, it's still up to us to make that decision. And I, I think that this morning, it's important for us to be honest about our suffering and our pain and the evil that we see and understand that God didn't create that, that that's not God's plan. but He can still use it. And He will use it. He allows it to happen. So this morning, what choice are you going to make about suffering? I want to read you something. It says, you see, God's ultimate answer to suffering isn't an explanation. It's the incarnation. Suffering is a personal problem. It demands a personal response. And God isn't some distant, detached, and disinterested deity. He entered into our world and into our pain. As one philosopher said, Jesus is there sitting beside us in the lowest places of our lives. Are you broken? He was broken, like bread for us. Are you despised? He was despised and rejected by men. Do you cry out that you can't take any more? He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Did someone betray you? He was sold out. 
Are your tenderest relationships broken? He loved and was rejected. Did people turn from you? They hid their faces from Him as if He were a leper. Does He descend into all your hells? Yes, He does. From the depths of a Nazi death camp, Corey Ten Boom wrote these words, No matter how deep our darkness, He is deeper still. No matter how deep our darkness, He is deeper still. For He is much closer to you than your closest friend will ever be. So as you go through, and as you go through the suffering, as you go through the pain, as you go through the evilness of this world, do it with the mindset that God loves you, that God's right beside you, that God wants to use it and turn it into something good. And I'm going to be honest with you, when evil hits you and suffering strikes you at a, at a deep, deep level, and that choice may get harder. One of the most well-known atheists became an atheist when he, when he lost his daughter at an early age. That suffering of, of losing a child put him completely away from God. And it's a choice that we, that we have. We can make that choice. He allows us to do that. And this morning, my prayer for us is that we choose Jesus. My prayer for us is that we run towards the cross. My prayer for us is we see suffering around us and we see other people not understanding, not handling it well, that we can be the, the loving brother and sister that they need to encourage them and to help them understand that God loves them. We, we do this life together to encourage one another. So why is there suffering and evil in the world? It's because of our free will, because of the choices that we made. God did not create it, but God did create the potential for it because of our free will and our free will. We sin, sin entered the world. So did suffering, so did pain, so did evil. But more, more than that, suffering can be used for good. And it, it doesn't last forever. It's light and momentary compared to glory. And I want you to to stand with me as we close this morning and I just I really just want us to pray and I want us I want us to pray for our our country I want us to pray for our world because right now man we're going through all kinds of different things we're going through uh, 
a virus. That's the whole entire world. We have racial tensions that is just tearing America apart. We have babies being killed every single day at a rate higher than ever before. There's cancer, there's diseases, there's stuff that's happening all around us. And it's our responsibility as Christ followers to understand the truth is about this suffering and this evil and to pray. And it doesn't matter to me which side of the aisle you fall on on any of those categories. What matters to me is that we believe what Scripture says and that we pray for healing and we pray for restoration and we pray that people find Jesus in the midst of the suffering. And we get to be an example for them as we go through suffering, as we go through pain, as we face the evils of this world, how we respond and how we behave and how we live through those. Non-believers are watching us. And if we can understand the truth of suffering this morning and understand that it's because of us and understand that God has a, has a hand in using it. It doesn't take it away. But it makes it a lot easier for us to walk through. So as we close this morning, I just want to pray with you guys. And I want you to pray where you are. I want you to pray for our community and our nation and our world. I pray that people come to know Jesus like we've never seen before. Let's pray. God, I lift you up this morning. God, I know that suffering and evil is all around us. We live in a, in a country that's full of it. We live in a world that's full of it. God, and as, we, as we're able to study Your Word and to dig into what You've taught, God, it's clear that when You created, that You created perfectly. It's clear that it was sin that brought evil and suffering into the world. But as we continue to dig deeper, it's clear that you can use that suffering for good. So God, as, as we see all the suffering around us, maybe we are even enduring that ourselves. God, I pray that people are drawn to you. God, I pray that our community sees a revival like never before. God, I pray that our country turns back to You, that 
suffering brings forth repentance. God, that strongholds are broken. That there's no more division. God, that healing takes place and restoration takes place and relationships are healed and restored. God, thank You for loving us. Thank You for being patient with us. I thank You that Your heart is that no man should perish, but all come to repentance. And God, help us to always remember that our suffering pales in comparison to what You have in store for us as believers. God, help us to walk in that truth, to walk in that reminder. God, I pray for individuals in this room that may be hurting or suffering. God, and we don't minimize that. But God, I pray that these reminders help them hold on to you more and more as they go through the struggles of life. God, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for eternal glory with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.